0: Good morning, everyone. We're glad that you are joining us online today for our Simpson Chapel. Um, we are actually coming to you from uh, Victoria's Id in beautiful, snowy downtown Wolfville today. But th- we're glad that you've joined us uh, in spite of the weather. Uh, we're glad we have the technology to be able to still uh, be able to uh, have Phil Woodworth come and share his message for us this week. Uh, Phil Woodworth is the pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Prince, Prince Edward Island. Uh, they are a, a multi-site church with three campuses, a growing congregation, uh, lots of exciting things that have been happening there. And so as we think about evangelism, uh, I think that he is an excellent person they have with us to, uh, to uh, bring our message today. So uh, Phil is a, a graduate of Acadia Divinity College. We're glad to have him back with us. And so Phil, we look forward to what you have to share with us this morning.
1: Good morning, everyone. Before we get started, let's just begin with a word of prayer. Our gracious and father, we thank you so very much for uh, the work that you've called us to. We thank you for opportunities that are ever present and the great joy and comfort knowing that the spirit is uh, already there doing work that we can never do. And we just thank you for that great comfort. And God, I just ask that as we engage your words this morning, that through that same spirit that you would draw us, that you would call us, that you would Power and equip us for the glorious work of the gospel. we thank you for this day in your name. we pray. amen. One of the most difficult conversations that a person can have is a conversation connected to the human heart and i 'm not talking about the organ that pumps blood through our bodies, but i 'm talking about the very command center of our lives. This is the place where we make all of our decisions. This is the place that is shaped by our thoughts. It's the place where we store up and cultivate our feelings. It's the generator of the very words that we say. All of this flows from the heart, from the command center. In Jesus's word to us in the book of Proverbs, he encourages us to guard the heart because it's from the heart that all of these things flow from. And I don't know any human who would disagree with this counsel. What person, what counselor, what school teacher, mother or father would argue against the importance of guarding one's heart. However. In order to successfully guard it, one must land on a very uncomfortable conclusion about themselves. And again, this uncomfortable conclusion is grounded in the very words of Jesus to us. And I want to be very clear with you as we begin this conversation that oftentimes some of the best words that we hear from people who really care for us are ones that actually highlight things of our lives that we don't necessarily enjoy and like. It's similar to going to a doctor and having that doctor deliver news that we don't want to hear, but in order to live well, we must respond to it rightly. So with this in mind, let's look at some of Jesus' words to us. We'll begin in Psalm 14, where he writes, the Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there is anyone who understands, anyone who seeks God. All have turned away, all have become corrupt, and there is no one who does good, not even one. Paul quotes this and expands on it in Romans chapter 3, where he writes, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have altogether become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. They do not know the way of peace. There is no fear of God before their eyes. These are incredibly uncomfortable blanket statements regarding the human race. None of us live well. Which, in light of our conversation of the human heart, it means that each heart that exists in all of us is in fact corrupt and ruined. Jeremiah writes it this way, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? In John's Gospel, there is an incredibly quick and scathing commentary about the corruption of the human heart. At the very end of John 2, there are masses of people who have witnessed Jesus perform signs and wonders, and they are desiring to declare him to be the Messiah. Jesus' response to their heart's wishes is this. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew what was in each person. The human heart, the command center, the place from which our life flows, is in fact corrupt and ruined. It is bent towards evil. And I know that this is harsh, but I also know that it's undeniable. And the reason why I can say this is because every single sphere of human life is severely tainted by evil that comes from the human heart. Just watch. In the world of sports, we see this bent towards evil in everything from simple taglines that say, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Patriots fans would understand that. To the more heinous actions of some of the top NFL superstars who willingly beat their significant other. We have watched anger and violence spill over into the streets following a Las Vegas MMA bout. We have seen a young female Japanese tennis player win the US Open, only to have this moment destroyed by her opponent and the crowds who boo for her for winning. Just this morning, reading a CBC article, since 1998, there have been 200 coaches convicted of sex crimes towards the minors that they work with. In the world of politics, there is a never ending trail of lies and deceit. In fact, it is so common that we don't even bat an eye at the evil that we see in this particular sphere. In the world of church, the one place that we would think and hope that would be free of evil, but it's not. In August of 2018, a story broke that some 300 priests over 70 years abused more than 1,000 children in the state of Pennsylvania. No one organization, no one person, no one community is immune to this condition. Hence, Jesus' words to us that no one is good, not even one. And if Jesus' words are true, and I believe that they are, Then even children suffer from this heart being deceitful above all things. In Psalm 51, it is David who declares, surely at birth I was sinful, sinful from the time I was conceived. And I totally get this. I have four kids. I have watched this heart condition at work in them from the earliest moments of their life to the stage that we are in right now. Several weeks ago, like this morning, it was a snow day. We were home. I was with the four kids, and we needed to get out of the house by about noon, because I, like everybody else, have a ruined heart. And for their safety's sake, we just needed to get out and go for a drive and go to Tim Hortons. We went, and we bought a dozen donuts together as a family. Four kids, everyone was going to get three, it was going to be spaced out over the afternoon so that I'm not that terrible of a father. We got home, and I decided to eat one of the donuts, because I have, in fact, a ruined heart. When the kids discovered that I had taken one of their donuts, my oldest daughter, Lauren, quickly came to the rescue and figured out a way to solve the problem. And she looked at me and she said, I know how to do this. And after her math and after her heartfelt responses, I'm like, Lauren, that's impressive that you were able to solve this dilemma for everybody. She said, thanks, Dad. And I looked at her and said, it's curious that in your solution to the problem, you walk away with four. And everybody else just gets two. She smiled and she went on her way. To you parents out there, do you, have to keep your, do you have to teach your children how to share? Do you know why you have to teach them how to share? Because sharing doesn't come naturally to them. Do you know why you didn't have to teach them how to be selfish, how to hit, how to bite, how to scream and rage? You don't have to teach these things to them because these things come very naturally to them. It is a result of their corrupt heart condition. And the older they get, they will work itself out in horrible, life-crippling ways. According to Jesus, no one is good, not even one. And if we can't, and we can't believe the lie, that we begin in a neutral position. We don't start from a place where it could go either way. We start from a place that is in fact bent towards evil and ruin. This truth can't help but stir up a number of reactions. And we'll get to those in a moment. But first, I want us to understand what this corruption in our heart is. I want us to understand what is happening in us such that children are naturally selfish, such that a priest can sexually abuse children, such that a strong athlete can abuse his wife or girlfriend. Romans 1, help us get there. Romans 1, verse 20 and 23, it reads, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Very quickly, let me unpack this. And very simply put, God is the one who is supposed to be glorified. God is supposed to be worshipped. God is supposed to be the center of the universe. God is supposed to be the very being that gives form and purpose to everything and everyone, including you and I. But the text says that we have exchanged the glory of the immortal God for something else. We've exchanged the one true God for another God, and it is the God of self. This is happening at the beginning of God's story in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve eat the fruit that God tells them not to. They eat it because they want to be like God. They are in this moment exchanging the true God with themselves to be now God over their their lives. We have made ourselves God, and as such, and I need you to hear this, and as such, we are convinced that what we think, that we what, what, what we feel and what we believe is right. And our desires as gods, as far as we are concerned, these must be met. This is why children are naturally selfish. They want what they want and sharing is opposed to their desire. This is why a priest can commit sexual abuse. They have sexual desires. They want to have these met and so they will meet them. This is why athletic men will abuse their significant other. They have desires. These desires must be met. And if she infringes upon those desires, there is hell to pay. The human heart is ruined. It is corrupted. We've exchanged the one true God with the God of self. So I want to ask you, how do you respond to the idea that you are not good? How do you respond to the idea that your heart is, in fact, ruined and corrupt? How do you respond to the idea that you are your own God, that you, as God, will do whatever it is that you want to do because your thoughts, your desires, your ideas rule the day? At the end of this conversation, or sorry, at the front end of this conversation, we spoke of Jesus' word regarding the need to guard our heart guard the command center. And if we're going to be serious about guarding it, then we must first understand the state of it. Because you you can't guard something that's already ruined. Let me say this again. If we're going to be serious about guarding the heart, we must first understand the state of it. Because we can't guard something that's already ruined. And listen, I know this is hard to hear. Quite honestly, it's hard to say. I don't relish the role of preacher in this moment. But I know that these words of Jesus are true of me and my heart. I see it on display each day of my life. And if you're honest, you can see it to be true of your heart as well. And here is where this conversation becomes awesome. If you can get to the place where you can say, Yeah, I am my own God, and my heart is ruined. Then and only then can we begin an amazing conversation about guarding it. Until one is ready to see and say about themselves that they have a ruined heart and they suffer with the I am God complex, then there will be no guarding of the heart. It'll just be more of the same. But if we can get there, then guarding our heart is a tremendous possibility. And it brings about a flourishing in human life that is profoundly amazing. When someone says in their heart of hearts that I'm tired of being ruled by a heart that is ruined, I'm tired of being ruled by a heart that is corrupt, that is bent towards sin, that I'm tired of being my own God, or to use Jesus' words, who says it this way, when you're ready to lose your life for my sake, then you'll find it. Then God does something amazing. He replaces that corrupt heart, that command center, with a new one, so we can, in sorts, start again. Ezekiel writes it this way. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you. It is in this moment when we begin to live and learn how to live under the reign and rule of God in our lives, where he is glorified, where then I, now fueled by this new heart with this new spirit that he has given me in my new command center, this is where I now learn how to live and experience this abundant life that Jesus offers to each and every one of us. So in closing, here is my question that I want to leave you. And I really want you to wrestle through this question. Will you entrust your heart to God? Will you entrust it to your maker? Will you entrust it to the one who knows all things, who sees all things? Will you entrust it and allow him to do a work in you that only he can do for his glory and for your joy? Let's pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, You are the one who softens the heart. You are the one who brings new ones. You are the one who gives us this tremendous gift of the helper who lives inside of us. You are the one who makes all things new and it begins long before the return of your son It begins now that we get to participate in part with this great hope of what is to come in the future. I thank you for this glorious opportunity and invitation that we all can be given a new heart, that we all can live in, flourish under your reign and rule and it is my prayer here this morning that we as a people would daily learn to entrust our heart to you in your beautiful name we pray amen
0: well thanks for a tremendous reminder of the gospel message as we think about evangelism this week and as we as church leaders and pastors and students and alumni are considering um the role of evangelism in our lives, in our ministries, in our churches. Uh, we need to remember the, the just the, the life uh, that comes uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're glad you joined us online this morning for our chapel service, uh, as it is here uh, online. Uh, remind you that the lecture this evening will be online as well. So we encourage you to be back with us at 7 o'clock as Dr. Joel Thiessen concludes his uh, Simpson lectures with us tonight. Thanks very much.